Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Oscar Way, our Deputy Chief Economist. Happy holidays, Oscar. Happy holidays, Jordan. Happy holidays to everyone. Hey, Jordan, we missed you last uh, episode. Um, You had a great episode. Yeah, thank you. Good information. Thank you. Thank you. Now, of course, uh, it's been two months now because last month we talked about consumers. So this month, um, let's do a little bit of a catch up on how the market is doing as well as how the economy is doing. Definitely. I thought it'd be cool just to do kind of like a year in review and then, um, you know, Think about with that rear view mirror context where we might be going in in the year ahead so we can kind of talk a little bit about the market. We also put out our annual housing market survey, which had a lot of great kind of structural analysis in in the marketplace, too. And ultimately, we're still feeling pretty confident in our in our forecast that we made a few months ago. And uh, and I think it's all pretty good news. But let's talk about the, the market itself, because we just this week, I guess we're about a week away from Christmas. Um, and we know what happened in November, and it was actually a, a pretty decent month. In fact, sales went up from where they were last month. Very solid, actually. Of course, uh, it, it, you're right. You know, it went up close to five percent from the month before, from October, and right. it's it's doing pretty well. Of course, compared to a year ago, yes, we're seeing continue to see a year-over-year decline. But uh, let's just remember, last year's second half of the year, it's actually was very very strong. It's in fact, you know, I think the last two months, November and December, they were the strongest month for years. So it's not anything. Um, you know, uh, disappointing yeah, those year over year declines. Yeah, yeah those are those, those are you know expected, and we have and those numbers, the number that we recorded in November uh, of this year, they're still higher than the pre-pandemic level, which is very very encouraging. Significantly um, higher, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and actually, yeah. I expected bigger than a ten percent decline because again, we were at almost a fifteen-year high last November, and so right. uh, four hundred and fifty-five thousand, which is the level of home sales on an annualized basis is just a, a great number. You know, you, you mentioned the pre-pandemic level, which was like around 400,000, or we'd be, you know, mm-hmm. happy when we got to 420,000. So we're still about 10% or so above those pre-pandemic levels, even though they're down from last year. Yeah. And, and they, they look very, very promising, you know, even going into December and going into next year. Mm-hmm. And part of it, of course, is we, you know, probably three months ago, we probably expect, uh, we probably expected interest rates to maybe get a little bit higher than yeah. what the average right now is uh, 3.1, 3.15 or 3.2, whatever it is. But uh, we expected it to be approaching maybe 3.3 or so but of course we have some fluctuation we we of course there are news about inflation which we'll talk about a little later but uh you know it's it's still at a very low level yeah definitely and uh you know i think it's been almost constant for like the last five weeks in a row at 3.1 ish percent like you said and it's actually i think motivating a lot of buyers to potentially get back into the market, right? The market's not quite as competitive. We saw that even as, you know, prices are still going up by double digits, it's come down significantly from where it was 
um, during the, the summer and, mm -hmm. and the percentage of things like closing above ask and days on market have all gone up a little bit. It's still a, a, a fiercely competitive market. And I think we can't not talk about supply, but just from the kind of buyer side, I, I think that those rates are an opportunity while the market's slightly less competitive. People have kind of taken a bit of a breather. It seems like seasonality has returned. A right. So, um, you know, and, and actually you, you kind of see that showing up a little bit in, in the pending sales data, right? That that buyer kind of enthusiasm or, or at least that buyer fatigue might be easing a little bit as we enter the end of the year. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, it looks like, you know, December and maybe going into 2022 are still going to be strong because pending sales, yes, of course, it dipped from last year, but at the same time, it's still actually very, very solid, very, very consistent with what we have seen in the last couple months. In fact, you know, we are actually seeing the smallest drop in pending mm -hmm. sales in six months. So that's very encouraging. So remember, you know, last year, and, and we have been seeing, you know, a pretty consistent trend compared to last year. So very likely the December number will uh, maybe dipped a little bit by about 10% or so, which is not bad at all. As we mentioned, you know, last year we had record sales. Right. And the, the good thing is also it's across the board. We're seeing, you know, four of the five region. Yes, it's uh, still uh, doing very strong. Far north, as we mentioned before, it was affected by the wide fires, right. but it seems like things have recovered a little bit. Uh, the important thing is, you know, when we look at the whole 11 months, the year to date number, yes. they're still very, very, very good. The year-to-date number actually is uh, uh, about um, 10 uh, 10 percent, or, or about uh, 15, close to 15 percent or so. Um, and so it's it, we are going to close the year pretty strong. Yeah, you mentioned we're, we're a, coming yeah, in ahead. for a soft landing. It seems like, but I think the you know the the bigger challenge, and and maybe this is where you were about to go before I totally right. over you is is that supply is a challenge, right? That that we, we still don't have enough homes. And actually that situation, we were a little bit more encouraged a couple of months ago. It seems like it's getting worse now. Yeah, I mean, we thought, okay, well, the seasonality is going to play a role, and then we, we're going to see more supply, more people listing their properties on the market. But of course, there might be multiple reasons that maybe uh, the variant, the the the, the uh, um, COVID situation, yeah. yeah, has not improved uh, yet, and of course, uh, it is also could be because just tight supply, people are not listings because of the holiday season, whatever the reason is. Yeah, uh, we have dropped back down, you know, in terms of months of supply. And uh, we're seeing some dipping in new active listings. Hopefully, this might be just a blip. You know, maybe going into you know, further into December or January, we, we will see, you know, some improvement. Yeah. And, and, and it is kind of in line with what you tend to see. I, I track this on the weekly numbers, you know, on a pretty regular basis. And, and, you know, it's kind of consistent with percentage wise with the kinds of declines that you start to see around this time mm -hmm. of year. So, again, the kind of seasonality rearing its ugly head again. But, you know, the, the problem being that we're already at kind of depressed levels, not just for total actives, but also in terms of the number that just show up, you know, that are going on to the MLS in any given month or week. And, and so even though it's kind of a, a normal sized percentage decline for a December, right. It's, right, right. Um, it's falling from an already pretty, pretty low level. And, and again, as the kind of buyer demand, um, maybe starts to come back, right? That buyer fatigue was starting to mm -hmm, ease. Now mm -hmm. the inventory crunch might get a little bit worse. So I don't know how much we can expect those those competitiveness numbers to really uh, continue to die off. They have been trending down for the last few months. Those might start to go 
back in the wrong direction as well if the if the listings numbers continue to kind of um, accelerate towards towards the wrong side. And maybe that's why we're seeing such strong numbers still on on the price side. Yeah, I think that's definitely explained a little bit. I mean, the, yes, the fact that we have typically for home prices, it, it slowed down on month to month basis when we get to the end of the year. And we are seeing that, you know, this is the second month, uh, the state level that we're seeing the statewide median price below 800. But we're still pretty strong at around, you know, 12 percent higher than last year. That's pretty decent. Uh, and, you know, we see that you know, in the upcoming month, most likely we're still going to see at least one more month of double digit increase from last year. Right. Um, but even after that, we're still at a pretty solid level. And as you mentioned, your supply has been very, very tight, uh, and, but there's still demand. People are still thinking about, you know, yes, they have this flexibility of, you yeah. know, uh, working a little bit further away from the office. And so they, 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 you know, come into the market and see if they can pick something up when, you know, the market comp- competitiveness seems to be slowing down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, hey, that's, that's going to uh, um, probably continue for a little bit. And um, it, it actually shows, you know, in some of our annual housing market uh, data as well. Yeah, we have some really good stuff out there. And, and I thought, you know, the the kind of contingency stuff really, you know, because it's not just competing. And we talked before, I think, when we released the first little wave of, of the survey about, you know, first time buyers coming into the market with big down payments, right? Mm-hmm. And that a, a lot of these first time buyers were putting more than 20% down payments, but it's not just, you know, they weren't just competing um, on high prices, right? We're not just getting the 20% right. median price growth. It wasn't just that they were putting down big chunks of, of change. They're also competing in a lot of other interesting ways. They are. They are. You know, if you look at, you know, the number of people who waived uh, contingencies in this competitive market, there are more people waiving contingencies. You know, just uh, give you some number of non-contingent offers uh, that was captured by our annual housing market survey was actually close to 60% or a little bit over 60%. Right. Um, now, we, we did right. not do that specific questions in prior years, but, you know, 60% is really really high number. And, and what are people consistent with the percent you see closing above asking price, right? We were up in the right. 70s for homes that were selling above asking price, but you're talking about three out of five buying with no contingencies. I thought the breakdown across uh, price categories was really interesting as well, because you think about markets like the Bay Area, where they have, you know, right. million dollar median prices. In some cases, you have, you know, first time home buyers going after million dollar homes. And yet those are also, you know, homes that are attractive to folks, but, you know, buying second homes, repeat buyers, et cetera, et cetera. And there it was even more fiercely competitive. Right. And I mean, the, the more affordable segments, um, you would expect the affordable segments to be very competitive. And they are. There's still over 50 percent people offering non-contingent offer. Right. But when you go up the price range, yeah, the upper price range, they're more competitive with two thirds of people offering non-contingent offers. But if you look at the type of contingencies that some people are waiving other than mean. those. Yeah. Other than the non-contingent offer, complete non-contingent offer, appraisals, people are, are waiving appraisals. Yeah. People are waiving property inspection. You know, that's, that's. Yeah. You know, I don't even need someone stuff. to come look at it for me. It's fine. I'll take it as is. No worries. I need to buy it right now. Yeah. 
Um, and some people were even waiving, you know, financing, which, you know, could be, you know, while, while some people may be putting all cash, we do see, you know, a little bit more all cash people this year. Yeah. This year compared to last year. But hey, this is how the how competitive market is. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it's probably going to continue on for a little bit longer uh, in 2022. Yeah, I mean, even with all the buyer fatigue that set in, you know, during the summer when when things were, you know, again, up at the 70% of, of, you know, folks kind of closing above asking price, it's still, you know, uh, uh, a situation where there's too many buyers and not enough homes to put them in. So, you you know, there's a limit to how much this stuff can die off. The other uh, thing that I thought was really interesting and, and, you know, encouraging frankly, from the standpoint of home ownership, because, you know, the the previous discussion that we just had wasn't particularly encouraging from the standpoint of home ownership when the market's so fiercely competitive, not as many folks are going to be able to get in as as want to get in and be able to kind of, you know, reap those benefits of home ownership and wealth creation. But we did see um, some good news in terms of first generation buyers, right? Right. Who haven't had, don't come from a background of, of home ownership. And that's, that's really transformative. And one of the frankly reasons why I love working at CAR is because, you know, I love working for people who are putting people into home ownership and letting folks get the same kinds of opportunities that I got from my dad, just buying a a home and kind of, you know, focusing on the the basics. And we had um, a lot, we already talked, I think a couple of episodes ago, just about the increase in the level of first time buyer activity in general, uh, but our annual housing market survey showed that a lot of those were were these first generation buyers, and that's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, close to almost half of all the first time buyers, and you already mentioned that you know first time buyers we have a bigger share, but half of the first time buyers they are or close to half they are first generation buyers. Amazing. You know, they are they they want to take advantage of you know the once in a lifetime low interest rate. This is oh, yeah. really record low interest rates. And lower interest rates give them the opportunity to to jump into the market, um, to to you know see if they can own a home. But it's yeah. not just uh, uh, interest rates. We talked about you know the flexibility of moving away from the office. People can buy a little bit more affordable homes in the Riverside, San Bernardino. You know, for the Bay Area, they can buy you know uh, uh, homes in Sacramento. Maybe I talked to some people at uh, Shasta, Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're moving those are doing um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Those are doing great. And so first time generation buyers t- took notes of it and they, they, they use the flexibility. They take advantage of the interest rates. And that's why we're seeing more first generation buyers, which is very, very encouraging, as you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. And, and actually a lot of those are the, the kind of uh, right in the sweet spot in terms of what we need from, from the standpoint of closing home ownership gaps, right? Mm-hmm. Because we had a lot of these, first generation first time buyers were were non-white and actually i think you said that that more than half of these uh first generation buyers were non-white and that was the first time we'd ever seen that in our in our survey yeah first time ever we have you know the 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 lending environment the flexibility uh, to work away from the office really benefit a lot of people everybody and of course many people um latinos asians um Black and and uh, many different ethnic groups, they are all again taking uh, advantage of the, uh, the the affordability uh, that's being offered to them uh, via the uh, low interest rates. Yeah. So you know many of them are taking this opportunities, jumping into the market. We have um, 
about 20% of uh, the, uh, the, the uh, many of the uh, uh, buyers uh, being um, Asian and 18% being uh, Latinos. Um, when you make, when you add all those up, you know, they are actually slowly, you know, um, becoming homeowners and that hopefully could lead to higher homeownership for, you know, many of these uh, ethnic groups. Yeah, and, and props to the members too. I know you mentioned the rates and the just desire for home ownership, but I think, you know, the members have done a great job of getting yeah. into into these homes. And again, one of the reasons why it's a, a awesome place to, to work. What about, you know, people who already own property? It seems like they continue to want to buy even more as well. I mean, this <laughs> is why the, the supply challenge exists is that, you know, it seems like everybody's kind of on board now and and you know that message is getting through but we had um, not just those first-time buyers out there not just the people getting into the market who don't have a history of home ownership you got people who already own homes buying even more homes yeah definitely and we talked about this last year we weren't completely surprised last year when we saw you know more people buying second home more people buying vacation homes in areas such as the uh, big bear you know lake tahoe uh, but uh, that act, that trend actually continued uh, in in 2021 as well, at least through the summer. You know, based on our statistics from our um, from the uh, from the annual housing market survey, the share of people who purchase uh, a vacation home as as compared to the total sales actually has gone up again, and has become the highest since 2012. Right. Yeah, and and again, I think when you kind of think about it through the lens of the economic data, it makes sense as well, right? Because folks at the top end of the income spectrum tend to work in industries that were, you know, more insulated from the effects of the crisis. In fact, some of these companies are, you know, if you look at valuations and the equity markets, right, that are doing even better than they were before the pandemic. And then you kind of mix that with the super low rates and the fact that these folks have a lot more flexibility to work remotely than, you know, like you said, cabins in, in Tahoe and, and, you know, having a a beach house or what have you starts to make, you know, a lot more sense, especially when you're doing, you know, even better than you were before the pandemic financially. And, and you kind of see that, in in terms of of the the kind of characteristics one of the things that i thought was really interesting about what folks were buying and it kind of goes along with this market normalization that we've seen as well as i think you know originally you were seeing a lot of folks buying you know bigger cabins you know farther out and things like that in terms of the second home market and the vacation home market whereas i think you know the kind of beach houses and stuff that's in more um I guess, densely populated areas starting to come back because people were buying stuff. They were still at a a pretty high price point, but they were buying a little bit smaller properties and vacation homes and things like that as well. Yeah, I'm a part of it, of course, could be affordability. But at the same time, at the same time, as as you said, I think, you know, there are at least towards the end of uh, the last couple of months or so, we started seeing a little bit of a slowdown. Part of it is because of the fire wildfires. We we know that you know there are some wildfire situation in South Lake Tahoe and some other places, but at the same time, you know some people maybe you know they might be buying small a uh, second home, but at the same same time they're really treating that as a second home or a vacation home. Yeah. They do some people do come back to the major metropolitan area. And I talked to a reporter the other day, and and we started seeing some increase in uh, price in downtown LA. And part of the reason because of that increase is because of the fact that 
many of you, many of the reporters may not necessarily, uh, many of you may not necessarily know, but you know, the downtown LA area did have a dip in price. Yeah. So affordability level, relatively speaking to some of the other areas, um, they seem a little bit more affordable to some buyers. So some buyers are actually going back to, you know, some of the more denser area because yeah. COVID and, uh, is kind of coming down. We're not counting down a bit. You feel like <laughs> you can go outside, then like, you know, going out and having a meal at Staples Center or going right. to Flemings or what have you starts to sound uh, pretty good. I was pretty surprised that, you know, almost, uh, well, I, I guess we were in the double digits for people buying second homes in a city. So, you know, it's not a big number, right? You're still, I think that opportunistic out migration is still alive and well. We had, you know, about 50% going either to the suburbs or to some rural area, but like the the 12% or so that went to a, a city I thought was notable in this <laughs> kind of context that, that we're in. So all That's in all, true. it seems like the market's still firing, at least from a, a demand standpoint with those first time buyers and the second home buyers. And, and even though we're coming down from last year, the market's still pretty, pretty strong. Ultimately, yeah. what about the broader economy though? Yeah. I mean, uh, the economy, you know, of course uh, we did have a, a third quarter, you know, slowing down a little bit, you know, in, in, in when you look, you looked at the GDP number, right. But from that point on, we seem to be seeing some good retail sales number, at least in you know, September and October. Now I know, you know, uh, the latest number, latest report from retail sales is uh, showing a little bit of a softness, showing a little bit of a weakness, uh, yeah. only a 0.3% increase uh, on retail sales from the previous month. Uh, and which is less than expected. But at the same time, you know, we have to think about, I think, uh, the non, quote unquote, non-seasonality uh, of the year right. uh, happens in uh, the economy as well, not just in the housing market. For, by saying that, I'm saying people may be spreading out in terms of shopping, you know, Christmas yeah. holiday shopping. Instead of doing all everything in December and maybe late November, they started doing things, let's say, in October and September as well because of the concern of supply constraint. Yeah, absolutely. And and inflation, you know, and sometimes yeah. you, get, you get into an environment where inflation can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think the price of cars and TVs uh, and refrigerators, et cetera, is going to be more in the future than you kind of go out and buy now. But while the getting <laughs> right. is good, if you will, and what that does is it creates more buyer demand, more inflationary pressure, uh, et cetera. And, and so I think that, you know, there's, there's some of that there. I also think there's some sticker shock happening out there mm -hmm. because, you know, inflation is out there and, and, you know, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, folks who, who weren't around in the seventies and eighties, you know, aren't, aren't used to, I think we had the biggest level of inflation in, in um, many, many years, decades. Right. So. Yeah. And, and it also could be that, you know, uh, depending on what kind of inflation we're seeing, we are seeing a lot of inflation in energy prices. We're seeing inflation in food prices. Yeah. So people have to spend more money in those areas and they may be spending less money on some of the holiday sensitive categories like buying, you know, the gifts and stuff yeah, like that. So, maybe they, so it is possible that that might actually have an effect on the November sales number. But kind of what about like just taking a step back, though, right, because like the fundamentals seem to be moving in the right direction, even as you know, we had the kind of lackluster November retail sales number, which I think 
you're absolutely right. If you take it in the context of the kind of three month moving average that, you know, consumer spending is still doing relatively well. And I, I still feel relatively optimistic about the economy because, you know, we and, and we don't have the November number yet for uh, California for, oh, I guess actually it's probably coming out as we're recording this at <laughs> in the morning here. But even through October, you know, we continue to make good economic progress that we were moving in the right direction. The nation had a decent number in November for the jobs report and things like that too. So I think that there's still reasons to be optimistic about the broader economy. Yeah, I'm, I'm still very optimistic about, you know, what's going on with uh, the next couple months or so before the end of the year. I mean, yeah. some economists or MasterCard actually did a present, uh, did a, a, a forecast or um, a survey. And a lot of people expect the uh, holiday season, even though it, it is a little bit slower in the next in November, they do expect the sales to actually exceed last year a little bit and, and exceed uh, the uh, year before. So, you know, it's still encouraging. I think, you know, we do have as consumers, we do have, um, you know, uh, most people have a little bit more money in their pocket. I know it may not necessarily um as uh, uh, reflective completely in the labor market because right. we 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 even though we have um, fewer jobless claims but uh, the um, the labor participation rate seems to be stuck in a little bit um, and uh, but unemployment rate is still very very low. Yeah, yeah, that's one good thing about having a fraction, right? Is that when uh, labor force participation is low, it actually helps the unemployment rate number. But we are seeing genuine improvements in terms of folks reporting uh, employment, things like that. But there's been some structural uh, changes to to the economy, and you have a lot of mm-hmm. folks just rethinking their kind of life plan and things like that. We still, are, you know, are I think about two thirds of the way towards. Full recovery. We lost a little bit less than three million jobs last year, and and you know we've added back a little bit less than two million of those so far. Mm-hmm. So so we're moving in the right direction. I think if we can keep a lid on on these COVID numbers, then we'll continue to move in the right direction. I know LA's had a little bit of a flare up, but the statewide numbers are still um, fairly flat at this point in time. And right. uh, you know there's there's I think. Uh, a kind of reality sinking in that this is going to be with us for for a long time, you know, no matter what, and that you know, even as the numbers have kind of been low and relatively stable, at least at the statewide level, they're not, you know, they're non-zero. They're still staying in the kind of thousands a day, and so we're right. making good economic progress, and we'll probably continue to do so. But just a lot of a uh, lot of lot of factors out there that are going to kind of prevent this rip roaring economy. And it's still obviously affecting the supply chain too, which we talked about with the inflation stuff, which is, yeah, I guess it was at a 39 year high. Yeah, it's really, really high. You know, you, you have heard, you know, from time to time from many reports that there were, you know, there are cargo ships, you know, stuck, you right. know, uh, outside of the LA and the port of LA and port of Long Beach. And that is one of the reasons why we have some supply constraint because they cannot offload some of those uh, cargoes. And of yeah. course, without offloading those, they cannot go on shelf. And, you know, a lot of uh, retailers uh, might be struggling a little bit and they have to raise their price a little bit. And same for the, um, the service sector. You know, yeah. we, we you saw you showed, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the uh, lack of uh, labor in certain areas, certain sectors. 
Yes, the COVID situation has improved. I think the service sector sector have improved, but they need their workers back. Unfortunately, many of them are still uh, missing some of their workers, and so they have to raise their price uh, across the board, as well as you know raise price on food as well. So it's not a surprise that we see you know on menus that uh, prices have gone up. Yeah. So no, and I think we'll probably see you know these supply chain issues. I think there's you know, some element of the inflationary pressure that's that's transitory in nature, right? Like eventually these supply chain issues will work themselves out. Folks will get mm-hmm. back to work. These ships will be offloaded. The sawmills will be started back up. The lumber, you know, logistical supply chains and all of those things will get back to normal. The, there's, you know, a structural question about, you know, folks having out migrated from some of these areas that workers have gone out and gotten retrained to take advantage of some of these higher wage remotable jobs and just this kind of mismatch between you know the skills that are are in demand and the folks that that lost their jobs during the downturn will persist right and so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll probably be be looking at elevated inflation for you know at least for the first six months of the year before it starts to sort itself out and that probably means higher rates and all of that right and the federal reserve addressed that too you know they now they made an announcement yeah. and they have been uh, pretty clear that we will be seeing some rates. So, you know, in our forecast that we did, um, you know, a couple months ago, and we continue to monitor, you know, the, the outlook, we know that you know, next week, next year, uh, we're going to see some increase in rates. And we totally expect that to be the case. Yeah, they're going to start winding down. I think they're going to end up buying, finishing their their MBS purchase plan like three months mm-hmm, ago, mm-hmm. something like that. And so, you know, ultimately there will be um, upward pressure on those rates, even though they've been pretty flat at at three point one percent for the last month or so. You know, just kind of taking a, a look in the rearview mirror and putting it all together, though. I think you know it's been a good year. For the housing market, there's been a lot of sales. And actually, I think we'll probably end up a little bit low on our projection. We were already projecting about 440,000 units for this year. We'll probably be even, you know, slightly higher than that, maybe mm-hmm. 445 or something like that. The November number is actually moving up. So the, the market is staying pretty strong. The competitiveness has been, um, you know, just unprecedented, but it's starting to moderate and normalize a little bit just to kind of regular levels of fierce competition that California <laughs> always uh, enjoys. But, you know, we're, we're kind of ending 21 on a strong note in a similar way that we ended 2020. So what does that mean then looking forward? Well, you know, um, with interest rates uh, expected to be a little bit higher, we know that we know that we're not. We may not necessarily see below three percent, you know, anytime uh, next year. Right. But you know, buyers are expecting that too. And let's face it: even if it's three point five percent, three point six percent, it's still a very, very good late rate by historical standards. Yeah, and if you're worried that it's going to be five percent, that also creates a sense of urgency, right? And That's so I true. think that that you know, both things kind of are supportive of more buyer demand, especially through the lens of. You know, like we just said, the the economy hopefully continuing to get better as well, and incomes, more jobs, right, right, having babies, all of all of that kind of stuff. And I think that that is, you know, hopefully something that continues to motivate some of those kind of positive trends on the home ownership front, especially if the market normalizes, that we get more opportunity for some of those folks to get in um, for the very first time. Yeah, and the demographics works on the um, household formation side as well as you know uh, demand side as well, yeah. because we will be seeing in the next couple of years, next few years, more uh, late 
millennial um, moving into, you know, the prime age of owning a property or buying or forming a home. So they need a property, they need a home, uh, whether it be a rental market or be in, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in the market for buying. So, you know, that side works for us. Yeah. And I do think there's an element of, of pent up supply that we'll mm-hmm. see coming into the market. You know, I know we talked about how depressed it is and how, you know, even though it's a normal seasonal bump, it's from a depressed level. But I do think that as the COVID cloud starts to clear and when folks, you know, look around at the, the just amount of equity they've accumulated over this period of time and when there's right. more options starting to come onto the market that, you know, we should, you know, probably not get back and have the, the supply crisis solved, but at least start to move towards pre-crisis levels of inventory as we enter, um, you know, the the spring. And I think it's, you know, again, contingent on what happens with listings, but, you know, uh, I think, or excuse me, it's, a, it's contingent on what happens with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think we we can expect new listings. We also built slightly more housing, it looks like this year, and, and that should help too. I mean, what's your take on, on supply coming forward? Well, it's been tight and we do expect, you know, some increase, maybe a few percentage, five or 6% increase. But, but at the same time, there are a lot of factors, you know, for developers, there is also the labor costs as well as the material costs. So even though it's expected to improve, uh, but at the same time, they are looking at, uh, you know, the, the cost being a little bit higher. So, and the labor being a little bit higher. So it might be actually slower than what uh, many of the developers or builders want to build. Um, but, and, uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, even a little bit more supply is very, very welcome. Yeah. Um, and on, on, the, uh, on the side of whether people are going to list their properties, Hopefully, you know, with an improved economy as well as an improved uh, uh, the uh, COVID situation, we will see more people listing their property on the market. Yeah, um, I think so too. Does that mean then that our kind of proverbial brother-in-law who told us that prices are about <laughs> to tank and that there's a huge foreclosure crisis coming is not correct? Well, okay, look, we're not expecting a 20% increase like what we have in 2021. Yeah, sure. But and, and well, for different reasons. Well, the um, the 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 shift in a mix of sales, as we mentioned in a previous sure. uh, year yeah. uh, or episodes, that's probably going to slow down a little bit uh, and probably going to lean more towards the more affordable side. So it's going back to normal a little bit. But we still expect at least you know five or six percent increase in price. Yeah. Uh, probably not double digit, but you know five or six is probably somewhat conservative. And yeah. and we can see how that goes. You know when we as we move into 2022. But yeah, we are going to see some price improvement. ongoing pressure on price. Yeah, I mean ultimately exactly. for me the bottom line is that we still have a lot of buyer demand out there. It's not quite as as again crackling and sizzling mm-hmm. hot like it was during the summer. But you know we're again about ten percent above pre-pandemic levels in terms of closed sales right now, almost 450,000 units. And, and, you know, we're still falling by double digits in terms of active listings. And so I think that prices are still going to go up, even as we're going to see the top end of the market go from 300% growth down to the low single digits, you know, we're, we're still, um, going to have that kind of upward pressure. Again, this is all contingent on on the pandemic because right. one of the things that we saw uh, happen at the end of last year, which impacted our projection <laughs> for this year, is that, you know, 
rates didn't end up going up. We had a big surge in COVID. Rates went actually back down. And then we started the year with even lower rates than what we had late 2020. And it really pumped up buyer demand even more and pumped up home prices even more. So based on an, a market that's normalizing geographically in terms of what folks are buying, in terms of having rates that are headed back towards pre-pandemic, we're still going to have, you know, um, albeit lower than the 15-year highs we had in 2020, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. still solid sales and and rising prices. And I think, you know, from the standpoint of our members, we just need to keep trying to get as many of these buyers into home ownership as we can and keep that uh, number moving in the right direction. But at least the kind of broader um, environment is is going to be, I think, supportive of more growth. I think so too, and we didn't even mention about you know investment buyers and as well as international buyers probably going to I assume again assuming that the pandemic is under control, um, they should be coming back to the market a little bit as well in 2022. Great. Well, hey Oscar, it's been a pleasure to work with you and do this podcast with you this year. I think we have some great uh, episodes out there. I'm a big fan of the one that yes, you did, did on consumers. I hope everybody goes back and listens to that with Dr. Jessica Louts from NAR. She's the bomb. And I'm like, trying to, I'm, I'm currently in the running for president of the Jessica Louts <laughs> fan club. So everyone should listen to that one too. But no, just a, a pleasure to work with you. And I think all of our members benefit from your, your expertise. And I hope you have a great holiday. Same to you too. I mean, I think we, we make a very good team and uh, we will uh, resume our, our podcast uh, early next year uh, and we'll have a lot of uh, uh, very insightful news again uh, for you guys in uh, 2022 and uh, happy holidays for every, to everyone. Yeah, definitely. And thank you all so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and, uh, you know, to serve you. And we, we look forward to staying on top of this stuff so that you can be on top of it for your clients. So uh, have a great holiday and we'll see you next year. See ya. Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate.